0: Hello and welcome to the First Day In Football Show. I am your host, Tobias Brown. And folks, we're back with another great interview for you guys. I'm here today with current pro wide receiver Jared Wolf. Jared, how are we doing today, man? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Awesome. So, a little bit, you know about you obviously you have played d3 d1 played pro ball in germany i want to start with your high school going into college career you come from new york correct you're a new yorker correct so what is new york high school football like we're based out of ohio so we don't get to see it as much
1: yeah so um you know i think new york football in high school has been on the up and up for sure um Nowadays, they're definitely getting a lot more exposure than, you know, back when I was there. I think I, so my last season was 2015, um, that fall. But, you know, we had a few guys come out my year, the year before me, a couple of years after. It's a big name schools, power fives, guys that are in the league now. Um, and, you know, New York football always has talent. And it's just that they haven't always gotten the exposure maybe they deserve. And I'm glad to see that's kind of the tide's turning now. But, um, yeah, there's definitely some good players here. Obviously, Jersey's right nearby, and they get a lot of, you know, praise for the way their high school football is run. But
0: New New York's not far off. So you coming out of high school went the D3 route at first. You went to Western New England University. What went into that recruiting process for you, and why did you choose to go to Western New England?
1: Yeah, so um, I was in contact with a a few – teams at any level, to be honest with you. Um, I had some preferred walk-on offers at some low D1s. I had been talking to Pace um, right before I made my decision about low scholarship offer. But when it came down to it was that W and really was the perfect mix of both ball, being able to play early uh, in a program that had been turning the tide and, you know, becoming a dynasty. Right before I got there, they won their first conference championship and we won one every year I was there. And I think they won it one or two years after I left. So um, it's definitely a dominant program. And that was one that I want to be a part of. And I had just a good time on the visit there. And, you know, when you go to looking at colleges, you got to make sure that
0: you can see yourself there and enjoying it, especially if you're leaving home. So you played at that D3 level. You've also played at the D1 level. I want to talk about the talent you played with at D3 because folks think, People go D3 because they weren't good enough, and that's just not the case. We've shown it time and time. But I want you to tell us, what's some of the talent that you played with at that D3 level?
1: Yeah, I really played with some great athletes, um, both on my team and teams we competed against. You know, I think every year at Western Ring, we had guys that were doing maybe local pro days or things like that. Uh, And in my freshman year, we had – I want to say five guys at a local pro day at Western New England, actually. A Bears scout came down, um, and guys showed out. They they, they did well. And no one wound up getting an opportunity in camp or anything, but talks went along. Guys had some CFL opportunities. Um, But that's the level that's there. You know, it's not just D1 to pros. It's, It's all across the board. And wherever you go, you know, if you ball out, then they'll find you.
0: So you did, I believe you played, what, three years at Western New England, correct? Correct, yep. And then you end up making the jump to the D1 FCS level to Villanova. What went into that decision to leave Western New England, and how did you land at Villanova?
1: Yeah, it was definitely tough because I love my time at Western New England and you know all my buddies, and like I mentioned, the, the talent level there was good, too. It wasn't like a cakewalk or anything that I was looking to escape from. Um, but I had graduated early, so I graduated my undergrad in three years, and I was looking for more, both athletically and academically. I always had the goal, obviously, a lot of kids do, to go D1. Um, actually, my favorite uh, team growing up has been Penn State. So, like, that was a goal when I first got to Western Ring. Like, you know, one day maybe I'll grad transfer to Penn State. And I, I went a little short, but stayed in PA, went to Villanova. And I honestly could not have been more thankful. It was a great time there. Um, I had a little reduced role than I would I expected, but I was you know, on special teams day in, day out. I was the leading punt returner there. Um, and just going to work every day with those
0: guys was making me a better player. So I want to talk a little bit about that because at Western New England, and even in your time in the GFL this past season, you've shown you're a great route runner in the GFL. You had over 1,300 receiving yards and averaged over 16 yards a catch. But at Nova, you were a special team standout, leading punt returner like you talked about what goes into that mindset of you know just doing what it takes to win and really just being a leader on special teams
1: yeah I think it it just takes some recognition of knowing that everybody's role is important and that's from the guy who plays 60 snaps a game on offense or defense or the guy who is on scout team all week like every single person goes into winning and when your team is driven toward a common goal you know you kind of Obviously, you're competing during camp and off season, and even during season to move up the depth chart and things like that. And all you can do, personally, I like to say just control what you can control. And if you do that, you know, you rid yourself of stress and anxiety and all those things going into decisions that you don't take a part in. If you do the best you could do, then, you know, like I I just rolled. I said, okay, this is what my role seems like it's going to be. So I'm going to go full force at it, be the best I could be. And then obviously on the side, I'm still being the best receiver I can in practice, pushing the guys ahead of me to be better. And if one of them goes down, I'm ready to go, which had happened a few times.
0: You know, and Villanova's put several guys in the NFL. I want to ask you, though, you know, like we said, playing D3, playing D1, what did you notice was the biggest difference between the two levels of football?
1: Yeah, I mean, definitely, like, the D1 schedule is everything's mapped out for you, and it is, like, from sunrise to sundown. Um, so, you know, it, it's it's just as much. Obviously, like, the academics are there as well, and that's super important. Uh, but it's just as much important. It's like working two full-time jobs, one being football, one being school. And what comes with that is, you know, guys should, there's a higher level of sometimes complexity involved with plays, offensively, defensively and things like that and you know yeah there's a little bit of speed difference for sure and i would say in the trenches the linemen just the size and and athleticism of many now i'm not saying all because there's some d3 studs i mean there's guys getting drafted first second round from d3 linemen but overall as a group there's some big dudes um
0: at the division one level did you ever catch a game basketball game at villanova of course what was that like it looks like it's a great atmosphere Oh, it's it's great.
1: Everybody's bought in. Everybody loves the basketball team. So, you know, they're going crazy. And the arena
0: on campus isn't the biggest one. So when people get in there, it gets rocking. So what was it like, though, playing football at what people might think is a predominantly basketball school? But uh, you got a former teammate who's a rookie with the Bills this year that's showing that Villanova's got some football talent, too.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Christian Benford, man, he, he deserves everything he's getting, man um he was a great player he was always working hard doing the extra stuff and yeah playing at a at a predominantly basketball school as people would like to say you know we always had a chip on our shoulder a little bit and it, it helped us a little more motivation to go out and be like all right like let's try and you know we win some games get some
0: fans to the games which we did successfully the past couple of years so your time at villanova ends Looking to continue the career, though, did you have, you know, pro day, the traditional pro day NFL workouts, or did you immediately look to the alternate league opportunities?
1: Yeah, so I had been in contact with the Potsdam Royals, who I wound up playing for in the GFL this past season, um, prior to my me finishing up that that fall of 21 season with Villanova. And I just knew, like, if I don't have the film that I had, it was mostly special teams. It's like, I'm not going to. You know, waste time or money doing a pro day when I know it's that's, you know, NFL teams aren't going to look at me when I don't have much film. So, so I'm going to go overseas, show show out my opportunity because I know what I can, what I'm capable of, and then see the chips fall as they may after that.
0: And I would say you made the most of that GFL opportunity. If I'm reading these stats right, it's 83 catches, over 1,300 yards, averaging over 16 a catch and 14 touchdowns. But you had a teammate too. I, I was looking. You had a teammate who had over 60 catches and 1,100 yards and 11 touchdowns. Did you guys run a real air raid offense? Or were, I mean, what, how were you guys able to both feast like that?
1: Yeah, we actually had a thousand yard rusher as well um, named Kari. I'm going to butcher his last name, Payadunin, Finnish dude. Uh, he's a baller. Um, we really just did a high, fast tempo offense, it wasn't air raid. It was more similar to Art Briles' Baylor offense, where, you know, real wide splits were getting on the ball fast, trying to get on there between 10 seconds or less between a play. Um, so we ran a lot of plays. You know, our goal was always get to 80 plays and 50 points. And, you know, we
0: did a pretty good job of that. We averaged, I think, 50.9 a game. You know, and if folks, if it, if the Potts Day sound familiar, we had your uh, teammate on recently, Devine Buckram. And Devine told us about you guys getting ready for the uh, GFL championship game. Now, obviously, the game didn't go the way you guys would have hoped, but what was that experience like getting to play for a championship at a professional level?
1: I mean, playing for a championship is always great. You know, the your adrenaline's running high. You know, that's the last game of the season no matter what, so you, you got to empty the tank as you do every week. Um, obviously, you know, tough to come out on the losing side, but our guys fought hard. It wasn't for a lack of effort. You know, sometimes the ball just didn't bounce our way. And, you know, that's life. You got to come back, regroup, and attack it again next year.
0: You know, we've talked a little bit about the talent. You, you had a teammate with over 1,000 receiving yards. You talked about the 1,000-yard rusher. But folks sometimes think that the NFL is the only pro league with talent, and it's just not. I mean, the GFL's got some special dudes over there. Can you talk about some of the guys that you got to play with this past year in Germany?
1: Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the other receiver we had on our team, Brandon Polk. Uh, he played at Penn State and then grad transferred to JMU, where he had over a 1,000 yards there. Uh, if I'm not wrong, he was all-conference for the CAA, which is one of the best conferences in the FCS. Uh, he's a baller. Uh, our quarterback played at Southern Utah, Chris Helbig, and then transferred to Eastern Michigan. And he was a big part of it in our success as receivers and the team as a whole. Um, and we got linemen that are going into like the NFL International Pathway Program, you know, guys we played against. were were studs as well. So it's not like it's some low competition football. I like, guess this is, this is high level football. Um, it's professional football. and It's run that way. And I'm glad that I had the opportunity to go over there and kind of show people back home that, you know, this is a path. I have some buddies hit me up from college teams, high school teams. Um,
0: about it, asking how they can get involved, how they can get exposure to to come play overseas. So what was the biggest difference between playing football here in the states and playing football in Germany, whether it be from the actual playing style or from maybe a player fan interaction level?
1: Yeah, the player fan thing is like after we would play our games, you know we give all the support to the fans because they're out there supporting us, you know day in day out or the reason we're able to play that game. And so, you know, we walk through the stands after. We're high-fiving everybody. And, like, you don't see that in the pros. They don't don't go up into the seats and start high-fiving people. You know, unfortunately, guys getting water bottles thrown at them and stuff like that uh, in the U.S. So I think that atmosphere is really – it's a nice give and take between the fans and the players. Um,
0: Yeah. What was the, were there any rule differences? You know, I've heard that you guys do a lot of NCAA rules in the European football. Is that, was it pretty similar to what your college career was like rule wise? Yeah, we, uh, GFL is exactly NCAA rules. So all the same with that. So GFL season wraps up. We've talked about the great stats you put up, but you're not done yet. You got XFL opportunities coming up. Talk about what's coming your way now that the GFL season's wrapped up.
1: Yeah, so you know, I've been blessed with having the season I had over in Germany and put together a pretty good film. So been in contact with a few teams, me and my agent, and um, you know, we got fortunately the entered into the draft pool by one of the teams and you know, we're still in talks and filling out the forms necessary for that, and then hopefully come November when the draft happens that you know we land on a team, we have a spot in training camp and all I can ask for is another opportunity to to show what I can do.
0: So I want to talk a little bit about your talent specifically. We've heard about the stats that you put up, but what separates you from other wide receivers and what do you bring to a team if they give you that shot?
1: Yeah, um, you know, I'm not a, a, one of the four three guys going to blaze by you with speed, but um, I'm really crafty. I'm technical in all my routes. You know, I know how to win versus certain leverages. I have football IQ knowing where to get, where I got to get to for the quarterback to see me on time. At the end of the day, as a receiver, that's all it's about. You got to get to the location where the quarterback knows you're going to be on his timing, um, And, you know, I think that's really a huge asset. And I'm looking forward to showcasing that.
0: So when you watch film, I'm, I'm assuming as a pro athlete, film is a huge part of your game and your daily regiment. Do you try to model your game after any current or former players? Or do you just take bits and pieces from different guys?
1: Yeah, I like to take different p- bits and pieces because, like you see with guys, I mean, NFL, because they're in everybody's view, we can we can speak to that. But guys have different things that they're good at versus other guys. So, you know, I play to my strengths and I'll adopt certain things from certain guys, like maybe releases from one receiver. Like I love Devontae's hesitation and the way he mixes up and pairs things to look the same. You know, I love Cooper Cup with his in-stem juice stuff with you know jabbing in three and making things look the same like that um you know snap down I mean Julio is a freak athlete so obviously you can't replicate him one for one but you can take parts of his game and kind of apply them to yourself and that's what I kind of do
0: so I want to talk a little bit about you know what goes into being a pro athlete a lot of people think well you know like you talked about with guys like Julio well, you just got to be gifted physically and you do but there's so much else that goes into it I want to look specifically at training and film because people think that, you know, I'm just going to roll out there and play football and I'll show out in practice, but that's not the case. What goes into for you as a pro athlete, taking care of your body and nutrition and wellness side, what goes into that for you?
1: Yeah, it's uh, a lot of planning. So, um, obviously you have to prioritize if you want to be a pro athlete, that's gotta be one of your top priorities. So going out and, you know, drinking alcohol three times a week and like eating crap or not getting your sleep like that's not going to help you so you really got to lock in on all those things plan your training out you know it's one thing to go to the gym and lift but if you're lifting like a bodybuilder it doesn't really translate to the field so you kind of have to be smart in that sense and obviously that's what athletic trainers are for is what they get paid to do Um set you up correct so that when the season comes around you're ready to go um so yeah it's really prioritizing all that stuff you have to go get done training film always be eager to learn more and more and like we talked about replicating receivers games watch football you know watch the pros do it and kind of pick things up because success leaves clues and that's
0: the best way um for you to improve as a player so you talked about (laughs) being a penn state fan growing up i'm a buckeye fan myself so uh I won't rub it in too hard the success we've had you guys have uh, definitely I'm always nervous when we have to play at your guys this place that whiteout gives me nightmares (laughs) who was your favorite player growing up did you have a favorite football player that you were like oh man I want to be like him someday
1: geez growing up I would say it's tough because I guess I'm prisoner of the moment so I bounce back and forth you know like Saquon was my favorite a few years ago in college. You know, the way he carries himself. I still love him because I'm a Giants fan as well, being from New York. Um, the way he carries himself, his athletic ability, says all the right things. So that's, you know, a role model to look up to. Um, you know, I obviously things have turned south, but when Antonio Brown was in his prime, I loved the way he would run routes in the field. Um, you know, the way he would just, like I talk about winning against leverages, he found a way, you know, he's 5'9". And he's not four three. Guy, I mean, he's fast. Four five, maybe, whatever. But he found ways to win. Um, like today's day and age, Cooper Cup man, no one can guard. He's unguardable. The little things, Devontae Adams, like. So I just, I can't say I have one favorite.
0: I tell you, you being a Giants fan, we we're like o for as far as teams we like. I'm a Patriots fan, and you guys uh, ruined my childhood. I, I can remember staying up. And being like, "Wow, we're gonna go undefeated!" And then Eli Manning decided he wanted to go to the Hall of Fame. And
1: how uh, are yeah,
0: baby? You guys like, <laughs> ruined my childhood. So this, I mean, man, I tell you. So I'm gonna you ask you. You your childhood when
1: you got seven rings from Brady or six, whatever you had.
0: I was gonna say I'm I'm over here complaining, but I'm I'm pretty sure these last two years are the worst years of football I've ever seen, and a lot of fan bases would take it. Yeah. But I got to ask you about your Giants, man, because you guys are like shocking the world. Did, were you this confident? Did you know Brian Dayball could turn you, around, you guys around this quick? I would not have. If you told me we were going to
1: be 5-1, and one, I would have not believed you, but I did like the hires in the offseason. You know, Dayball, he's a humble guy, great football mind. he You lo- could see the way the guys rally around him. Wink Martindale, huge hire for the defense. They're playing lights out. Um, and, you know, I always thought we had some talent – And they just needed the right direction, the right coaching. You know, table with Daniel Jones and Kafka, they're really, you know, eliminating what his weakness was, and that would be turnovers and pocket awareness, and he's been a lot better. So it's crazy to just to see how coaching can affect guys. Like you see maybe guys like Justin Fields where they come to the league, real talented guys, and maybe they're in the wrong system, and, and, and the coaches keep rotating in and out, and it just doesn't give them a good chance.
0: I got to get your opinion because my co-host made a bold take about your Giants at the beginning of the year. Logan came on and said that Daniel Jones was going to earn a second contract this year. What do you think about that? How do you feel as a Giants fan?
1: He's done enough for them to win, but I don't think he's the future, the future of the franchise, you know, um, now, granted, maybe they they franchise tag him after this season and they try and bring him back on, on, a, on a small contract, but it won't be a, a record-breaking contract or anything like that. Um, the jury's still out. Obviously, there's a long way to go this season, but it feels like you kind of know where you're getting with him at this point, um, especially, you know, him playing well the, the first six games, limiting turnovers, but hasn't done really anything exceptional after that. Uh, I hate to say it because I'm always a player guy first, but you know, maybe,
0: maybe they look in the jab. I don't know. We'll see. So I want to switch gears a little bit. We've had an absolute blast having you on, man. I want to switch gears though. And I want to ask you a couple questions to give some advice to high schoolers. You know, you being a wide receiver, being a professional wide receiver, I want to ask you first to talk to a wide receiver specifically in high school. You know, for a lot of kids, they're getting ready to wrap up their high school season. But if you could talk to a high school wide receiver, who's decided that he wants to play at the next level, what would be some things that you would tell that kid to focus on?
1: Focus on your speed first of all. Uh, college coaches love that. And like I said, if you're, you're you're you gotta do everything. I mean, I was always a guy where I'm finding every way to maximize and optimize my potential. So that's nutrition, sleep, doing extra work, doing. Uh, the right training program getting out in the field late catching 100 balls before and after practice so those are little things and to speak more to you know ingraining good habits for a high school guy that would translate to the next level is like in practice you catch a ball you know tight turn fast and run always like say at Villanova go two lines so I catch the ball on the four yard line going out I'm sprinting through the five and the ten that's two lines you know, so making the, making that a habit of I'm getting upfield, I'm getting yards after the catch, because those are, are how big plays explode, and that's what co- coaches love to see on tape. So if you can get some film like that to translate, that's going to really be a, an advantage for you.
0: So I, I want to also ask you, because you started at that D3 level, worked your way up to a D1, and led a professional football league in receiving yards. So what if you could tell a high school kid who's maybe not as happy with the offers he's getting Maybe they are small school opportunities. What'd you tell that kid though about making the most of the opportunity they have and just what they can do with that opportunity?
1: Yeah, go go where you wanted and where you're gonna play. You know, don't try and if if higher level schools don't really want you, don't try and, you know, get your way onto the team and then just be, you know, guy ninety nine on the roster. You know, you gotta go you only play football so long. So go where you can play, and then you have the opportunity then to show people what you can do, maximize your potential, you know. And like you mentioned, me going D3 to D1, then playing pro, leading the league. It was all consistent. Years of consistent work, putting my head down. No matter the situation, you know, I, I went out and every day I tried to be the best I could and put in all I could do to to improve. You know, and that's all you can do. Control you can control, like I said before. And
0: and, you know, whether things work out or not, you can hang your hat that you gave it your am Going to end the interview with, if the XFL gives you the opportunity, a team brings you in, what are they getting from Jared Wolf as a player and as a person?
1: They're getting a leader and they're getting a consistent worker. Like I just said, I'm going to be the hardest worker in the room. You know, I'll come in early, I'll leave late, get those extra catches in and, you know, play to my strengths and do whatever the team wants me to do, like we mentioned. I played special teams at Villanova primarily. And, you know, at the GFL this past season, I think I was on every single special team besides field goal block. So, you know, being a starter, leading the league, and, like, it doesn't matter. Whatever you ask me to do, I'm going to do it to the best of my ability.
0: Jared, we wish you the best of luck, man. It's been an absolute blast having you on. Can't wait to see where you land. But that's all we got for you guys this time. Like I always tell you guys, rate, subscribe, and review to the podcast. Until next time, we'll see you guys later. Have a good one. Thank you.